PFF now has an app. Get access to industry-leading fantasy football advice, PFF's exclusive betting dashboards, the latest premium football analysis all in the palm of your hand. When you sign up, leave us a five-star review with your 2022 Super Bowl prediction and final score, and we'll share the best ones on the show. Will we actually share the best ones on the show? I, uh, I'm just reading the ad here, but that, uh, I guess we will. We'll share the best ones on the show. What is up? Welcome into the Thursday episode of Talking Ball. Today on the show, jam-packed episode. No interview again this week, but we're going to start off with a little bringing back the Talking Ball segment because we have some news in the NFL that we're going to want to get to here. Hypothetical trades then that I want to see. Trade deadline coming up at the end of this month. Obviously, some teams out of it. I want, to see some, I want to see some action at the trade deadline. Obviously, the NFL's trade deadline, not near what the MLB's is, but I still want to see some guys on the move. I think we may this season because of kind of NFL's, I guess, uh, acceptance of trades league-wide as an opportunity for team building. So we'll get into those. We're going to do takes of the week from you guys, those speak pipes. Make sure to keep sending those in to us. We're going to do first-round locks. We're going to get to the movie club. All, all the right moves. Tom Cruise, if you guys watched it, uh, that was an adventure. We'll, we'll talk about that towards the end and then a little would you rather. Um, but let's start off with this. Dan Snyder, the article that broke, the bombshell on ESPN.com today. Um, that he has, he hired private investigators to get dirt on Roger Goodell and multiple other owners around the league that has made him nearly untouchable with all the stuff that's gone on there, all the you know, horrific things go- going on in Washington under his watch that have his fingerprints all over it, that he's basically, they can't get rid of him. They can't force him to sell because he's going to take down the rest of the league with him, which... I hate to say it because like, he is a bad guy, Yeah, but that's a fucking power move. Evil genius shit. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like, a power move of all power moves right there. Yeah. I know I'm a piece of shit, but I also know you guys, some of you guys are a piece of shit. So I'm going to do the best. Like that was, that really is a masterclass on being a villain. You know, it really is. And who do you think when, or like, who are the owners that you would bet on right now to be involved? Because the low hanging, the obvious one's Jerry Jones and it was even named in the article. But who else do you think could be on that list? Uh, I would say anybody in Miami, like mm-hmm. any executives in yeah, Miami, because they've, they've been kind of painted in not such a great light lately. Although if you're Dan Snyder, would you even bother sending private investigators to a Jerry Jones or to Miami? Because it's like, oh, we already know that like, they've had some wrong doings. Let's go. Yeah. Well, I don't need to spend my resources there. Like, let's go to the squeaky clean guys, the Mm -hmm. guys, you know, like the Roonies or the Maras, you know what I mean? Like people that, I mean, I think, I don't think they've been involved in anything. Right. Yeah well, Craig, like yeah, well, Robert Kraft's the other low-hanging fruit one, right? Like yeah, that's got, what, like, don't, Robin yeah, down I, I don't Florida. need to, that, that would be a waste of, of my private investigator's time. Yeah. Right? What are you, like, you going to yeah. do? Say that he got a rub and tug again? It's like, we know that that already happened. Um, I wonder, I do wonder, you know, as an NFL owner myself, if I've been getting followed lately, if that's something that you think you would use the resources on me. 
a, a shareholder? Probably not, right? I don't, I don't know. I wonder if there's anybody that is not, like, if he followed anybody and they just couldn't find anything, right? Like, have you ever, mm-hmm. did you watch Entourage? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. That one episode where Ari Gold hires the private investigator to tail, like, the dean of the school so that his kid can get in. Yeah. And the private investigator comes back and he's like, I got nothing. <laughs> like, this dude's just squeaky clean. And he has to, like, go to his front lawn and be like, will you please let my kid in? Like, I wonder if there was a situation like that where somebody was being followed and the private investigator's like, I just, I mean, probably you're out of luck, dude. Cause he was probably, he, he had to be taking all of 31, you know, 30 other owners in the NFL to try to get anything. I will say though, selfishly, I want to see the reckoning. You know, I, I want to see this all hit the fan, so to speak. I, I want to see Dan Snyder go down I do and f- I want to see whoever he has dirt on also go. Like I just, I want it all to come to light. It would be. An I, I do feel amazing. like it will come out eventually, and and maybe not even necessarily like in an official capacity, but like I don't know, maybe in like fifteen years, mm-hmm. somebody will write a book. Yeah, and it'll be all like, you know, hearsay, obviously. But but at some point, like usually that stuff, at least in twenty twenty two, usually that stuff kind of comes out at some point. Well, they said owners meeting next week, I believe, could have some fireworks after that. So we'll be monitoring that as. That progresses. The other thing coming out of Washington, William Jackson, former Bengals, great, requesting a trade. He wants out. Uh, not surprising considering he's played like ass for them and got benched and was never scheme fit to begin with. I said that when they signed him. I did not make sense. This is a man cover corner going to one of the zone heavier defenses in the NFL. was always a weird fit from a personnel standpoint. Not surprising that it didn't work out. But that has spurred me to think about where he, best landing spot for him, and a lot of other guys now you, around the NFL that are on teams that may be out of it, maybe their last year there, teams looking to get something back from him in return. So we're going to go through some hypothetical trade situations, starting with William Jackson, Washington Commanders cornerback. I think the ideal landing spot, I would say, for him right now, San Francisco 49ers. Just lost cornerback Emmanuel Mosley with a torn ACL. Diamador Lenoir has been rough there. I'm not sure you want him as your starter on the outside. Yeah, he's been rough, but like from the slot, but he's given up 253 yards on 26 of 30 targets this year, Diamador Lenoir. Whereas Emmanuel Mosley and Shavarius Ward, your two outside cornerbacks, have given up 135 yards on 178 yards, respectively. Like that's been your weak link. And now he may be getting thrust into a starting role. If I'm if I'm anyone picking up the phone to take on William Jackson's money, it's the San Francisco 49ers because it's a good team. They they can win now, and he's a good better, much better fit for their defense with the press match man stuff that they do on the outside than he ever was in Washington. So that's one guy I'd be looking at if Washington's looking to fire sale, looking to get rid of this roster if things do go south, which they we kind of think they may. You know they they, they are not looking. Up right now, we'll see how, what happens on Thursday Night Football with this Bears game. But Deron Payne's the other kind of elephant in the room there at the defense tackle position. Last year of his deal, you've given a lot of money to Jonathan Allen. You have a lot of money maybe going to Montez Sweat and Chase Young here in the coming months or coming years, excuse me. How much are you willing to give to a, another defensive tackle on that line? I think the team that could use Deron Payne's services if he's getting moved to the deadline, Cleveland Browns. Browns are... Some of the worst DTs in the NFL. One of the worst run defenses. Um, 
and it's because they're just so soft up the middle. I've discussed this a handful of times on the show already. Uh, as it stands right now, the dead last in terms of run defense grade among all teams in the NFL. And a lot of that's because they're defensive tackle position. The other team that I'm looking at that's fire sailing, or could be, or should be, honestly, I tweeted that out today, the Carolina Panthers. The, the, to me, firing Matt Rule, okay, that's a start, but they got to get rid of – they have to change GMs soon, in my opinion. You can't let a GM that's there, Scott Fitterer, have another season without unless, – unless like all the moves prior were Matt Rule's and you get him – give him now full control and it's going to be different. But if you're giving him this lame duck next season or give, letting him finish out the rest of this season, looking for a new GM in the offseason, I think you're doing it wrong because they're in such a bad cap situation that they can't make any moves that are going to try to save Scott Fitter's job. Like you can't have a guy playing for just next year. You're in such a bad way from a roster perspective with so many bad bloated cap hits on that roster, so many bloated contracts that you have to either change regimes or say, Scott Fitter, you have the next three years. Don't make any, don't try to win in 2023. Because if you try to win 2023 with this roster as it's currently constructed, you're going to be sorely mistaken. It's going to be bad. And you're going to make win now moves that you shouldn't instead of what I propose, which is like, a, you know, a borderline fire sale. You have some ugly contracts on there. You have DJ Moore hit making over $20 million next year. Christian McCaffrey making over $20 million next year. Robbie Anderson over $20 million next year. Taylor Mouton over $20 million next year. Shaq Thompson, over $20 million next year. I don't think anyone's trading for Shaq Thompson, but some of those guys do still have value to get anything back that you can before you have to cut them. Because now DJ Moore, you're not going to cut. Taylor Mouton, you're not going to cut. But before you have to cut these guys to pave away for the future, I would be in the business of trying to move them to get picks back. Because if you cut them, that's not a compensatory pick. You're not getting anything back from them. So to me, and you can call me a homer for this, it's not, it won't hurt my feelings, but DJ Moore to the Green Bay Packers is like the fit. If the Packers are going to add anyone, DJ Moore would be the guy that I'd be on the lookout for because he fits what they do after the catch, yak ability. He's one of the best receivers in the NFL with the ball in his hands, obviously being miscast in an offense with Baker Mayfield. A lot of people are miscast in an offense with Baker Mayfield, but I think with what the Packers have done with their quick passing game this season, he is. The, the missing link. They, they don't have guys right now that are breaking tackles, creating on their own. DJ Moore's that guy. Can I throw in another hometown pick? Let's do it. Deron Payne to the Bengals. Mm. They need help. They need the DJ the, rotation. Yeah, yeah they, DJ Reader is sorely missed. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I didn't that have work. the Bengals as buyers in any of these. But, but you I, think I, the, the Browns, you're still in on the Browns? I, I think the Browns are going to be buyers just because of where they – like this yeah, is the year that Deshaun Watson up cheap, for that. Yeah. You know, sure. that, that like sense. they kind of have to move some chips in to make it work this year or else it's going to get more expensive in the future. So, but I, I do think the Bengals could use, if they're, if they're looking to make moves they look on the offensive line first though, is, is you know, I, is where yeah. I'm looking. Unfortunately, Jonah Williams ain't going to play this week. Yeah. That's, that's rough. It's rough. Um, the other, uh, Christian McCaffrey's the other kind of elephant in the room here with his contract. In Carolina, not to say we told you so about the contract, but you know, that's why you don't pay running backs big money. They get hurt, nature of the position, and yeah, he's great. Fair running back. That's not nothing against him, but I think we're seeing that he's not a difference maker for an offense. Can't can't carry all on his own, and 
his cap hits go to 19.5 million 2023, 19.5 million 2024, 15 million 2025. Now, if they trade him, take some of that this year, but it comes off the books in the future uh, in terms of how much money you're eating. Um, but the the one I the one that's been rumored and I do agree with is the Buffalo Bills. Now, if the Bills trade for him, it would be one year. You're not giving him that. $11.8 million base salary in 2023. That is not, you are doing it for the Buffalo Bills for this season to try to win a championship this season. And I would not blame a move like that. I mean, he's still a good running back. There's no doubt about that. Even after these injuries, only 27 years old, 26 years old, still not a, still a difference maker at a position that they don't have a difference maker. They have a bunch of role players. They have a they have kind of a short yardage back in Zach Moss. They have a receiving only back in James Cook, who hasn't really been great at that so far this season So, and is a rookie. So that, that would be one guy where I think it could actually make a difference for a team that's constructed like the Buffalo Bills are right now. The last guy for the Carolina Panthers that I think has even a modicum of trade value would be Robbie Anderson. Uh, obviously, they just gave him a new deal, which was just an awful, awful deal when they signed it. They such a win now deal. Three years, forty-one million dollars. That escalates to twenty-one point seven million next year against the cap. He's not going to be there. You're not. Get, he's not playing at that number. So if they trade him now, they get a good deal of cap relief from not only this season but next season. And then like then you're not taking it into twenty twenty-four and beyond. So they'd get some relief. It wouldn't be too expensive for anyone taking him on because you wouldn't eat any of the bonus if you're you know, a team trading for him. So the one I highlighted that would could use Robbie Anderson services is the Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers. We lament their inability to push the ball down the football field weekly. And it's a twofold problem. It is one scheme, and two, they just don't have speed. Anderson has speed. He's a 4-3 guy. That's been his bread and butter for the course of his career. So if anyone's looking to add a guy like that, I think it would be the L.A. Chargers. Staying at the wide receiver position, going elsewhere across the NFL, a couple guys I think could be on the move. Chase Claypool, last year of his rookie contract for him. Um, obviously, just a loaded room there in uh, – oh, excuse me, not the last year of his rookie contract. Second to last year of his rookie contract, but a loaded room there in Pittsburgh with all they have now with George Pickens, uh, with Deontay Johnson, getting the bulk – of those targets there of late, I think he could be not only on the move, but like a guy who would be coveted on the open market would, would get you a good haul in return. And the Tennessee Titans is the team that I think could maybe should make a move for a guy like that. Obviously it's an offense that has coveted bigger wide receivers in the past, whether it's Julio Jones, whether it's AJ Brown, whether it's Traylon Burks, six four two twenty nine. you won't find many bigger wide receivers than Chase Claypool. Taylor made for that offense with the, how they work the middle of the field so much with their receivers. Big catch radius would be much better fit for them than he would in Pittsburgh. And again, would immediately, day one, be their best wide receiver. So if he is on the market, if he is going to come available, we'll see how the Steelers you know, play out the next few weeks. Obviously, they have, a, they have a murderous row of schedule here coming up. They lose a few games in a row. It could be Chase Claypool on the move time. What do you think his deal is going to look like when it comes time to resign? Because I could see teams like you kind of alluded to, like 
wanting to back up the the Brinks truck for him and being like, yeah, we're going to get him in here. Like, we're going to make him one of our guys. We're going to get him working with our staff. And he'll be like a true wide receiver one. And then I feel like there could be other teams that are just like, eh, like he's kind of underperformed. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know where somebody probably will overpay for him, but he's just got like such a wide range. I feel like of potential outcomes for, yeah, just, like his agent's got his work cut out. The career him. arc right now, and that's the thing is the career arc is so weird. You know, nine hundred over nine hundred yards as a rookie. Excuse me, over eight hundred yards as a rookie. Eight hundred seventy yards as a rookie. Nine touchdowns. Like everyone thinks, home run. Pick. Looked like the guy. Yes, yeah, exactly. with his athletic profile, and that's what I'm saying. If somebody buys into that, they're going to give him fourteen yeah. million dollars a year. Like that trajectory. If you if you put up those numbers in year one, you are thinking twenty million a year type of wide receiver by the end of his rookie contract, by four years in. Then the next year, similar numbers, 59 catches, 860 yards, two touchdowns. No advancement in terms of, in any meaningful way. You know, like he's kind of just the same guy. No broken tackle rates, worse. Drop rates, worse. Pretty much across the board, either the same or worse than he was as rookie. And then this year, can't buy a bucket. I mean, 129 yards in five games, not even no modicum of downfield success in that offense. He does bonehead shit, too. And is, yes, is that's the thing. Like, it's like, does, do you buy into that upside or do you just say, like, he kind of is who he is now? He was, like, he was the guy. Him, I'll, I'll take a flyer, but I'm not going to give you a boatload yeah. of money. He, he was the guy signaling first down in the two minute drill yep. instead of, you know, getting back to the line. And, and he's. I don't want to say, you know, he's not, he's not Juju Smith le- Schuster levels of TikTok influencer, but he's, he's up there. You, you know, he plays to that. That's a, that's a part of him that you're going to have to accept if you trade for him. But I, I do think he's definitely fallen out of favor in this offense. And with as much as they have there and obviously invested so much in wide receiver in this year's draft with not only George Pickens, but also Calvin, Calvin Austin, that I do think he'd be better suited elsewhere. Um, the other wide receiver that could be on the move has been rumored to be on the trading block. I don't know if it's something that would happen at midseason now at this point with how well his team has played, but Kadarius Toney, obviously oft injured. Giants don't find him reliable whatsoever. They, uh, it seems like, you know, has, hasn't played since week two now. Seems as if at some point, it just seems as if it's not going to work out, right? He doesn't have a single, two catches, not a single receiving yard on the season. So far for Kadarius Tony, so it's kind of just this one of those almost like the John Ross situation in Cincinnati, where it's like, why isn't it working out? This guy's so talented. What's going on? That it's got to be something behind the scenes. So, where I would love to see him go, it's the Miami Dolphins. Just adding another weapon, uber athletic, uber yak guy to that offense, I think would be out of this world. And to me, it's an offense that doesn't necessarily need crispest, the crispest, that's the word, crispest of route runners. You, you know, they're putting the ball in your hands quick, which was Kadarius Tony's MO at Florida. He was running just this odd nothing route tree that was letting him give option routes and just go basically wherever he found space in that offense. I, I think Mike McDaniels could do, Mike McDaniel could do a number with a guy like Darius Tony, that would be one where, yeah, maybe the trade deadline is not when you move him, especially with how well the Giants played this season, but I'd be intrigued. Well, you move him now when Teddy's starting because that's like 
the perfect guy for Teddy. Yeah. Short, like Tua doesn't really huck it down. Well, he, I guess he is this year, but Teddy's the king of low A dot. Drop, drop, dumping it off. I, I will say, Teddy's not, Teddy's out this week. They said Skylar Thompson's starting. Oh, is he? And Teddy's oh, shit. maybe, I didn't uh, see that. he may not, like he's not even declared out, but Skylar Thompson's the starter, which is a weird, he na- they've named Tyler, Skylar Thompson the starter, which I found odd. So we'll see how that ends up working out. They said he's an available backup though for the game. So I don't know. I don't know how that one's going to work. Um, other guys I want to see moved or could see moved. Bears, obviously a team that, I'm not super high on their prospects going forward. They have a couple guys that in Robert Quinn, who kind of has checked out this season, shall we say. We just lamented how poorly he's been playing earlier this week. And David Montgomery, who, yeah, he's tremendous, but he's in the last year of his rookie deal. You have Khalil Herbert as his backup, who's been playing outstanding. If you can get anything back for a running back, I think you do it. Um, But Robert Quinn, I would love to see him go to the Chiefs. Chiefs D-line still is lacking that juice off the edge. I mean, they're, they're throwing out Chris Jones on the edge on some pass rushing downs just because they don't want to get him doubled on the interior, give him a little more space to work, and he's doing well in that. But Robert Quinn, I, I do think it may be more effort-related than anything else in that he knows this is a kind of dud season for him with the Chicago Bears. That's not uncommon to see from veterans. You know, that was – Whitney Merciless last year when he was with the Texans. AJ Green. AJ Green. It, it's, I it didn't happens. say that out loud. It happens. It, it happens because it's, you know football's a physically demanding game at that age. You, you better be mentally checked in or else it's going to be tough for you to make an impact. So he would probably be more checked in if he went to the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, obviously, his deal may not be the most uh, easy to accept for a team. You'd have to buy in. You'd have to do some due diligence there before you made that trade, but – that's where I would love to see him go. And for David Montgomery, I'm going to throw another team that I've already floated, but the San Francisco 49ers. Obviously, they've had a ton of injuries at the running back position. He's just another guy who can break tackles at will in a team filled with receivers that can break tackles at will. I think that would be a fun-to-watch pairing. That probably wouldn't cost too much for the 49ers to make. Uh, next one here, we're going to the New England Patriots, where Isaiah Wynn has been a little disgruntled for a time now in the last year of his deal, I believe. Uh, they've switched them sides this offseason, which was always odd. They flipped their tackles, moved them from left to the right. Um, is still very good. The team that I think should be in need of his services is the Los Angeles Rams. They're, we've lament their offensive line week in, week out, and it's kind of like this is it. You know, the window's only dwindling with how that roster was constructed. And yes, they hit big on the window. If you want to keep it open even a little, you got to keep throwing some draft capital at this roster. Um, they've obviously shown in the years past that they're not opposed to making moves like this, the Von Miller deal, just last season. I, I do think if, you're, if the Rams are going to be in that market again, Isaiah wins who I target if I'm the Rams. You, you need upgrades anywhere you can take them. He, he can... And he's a guy that's shown he can play left tackle, right tackle, guard at the NFL level. I, I do think that that's, that, that that's like a possibility at this point with, one, the Rams' propensity to do deals like that. Two, the Patriots' propensity. They've, we've seen them do it with Jamie Collins in years past with uh, other guys at the deadline. So would be interested to see that. 
last one here. And I don't know if this one's realistic. I don't know if the Broncos are going to be parting ways with Bradley Chubb or wanting to, but another guy who uh, I, I believe last year of his deal, you have invested a lot at the edge position. You just signed Randy Gregory. You have Baron Browning looking sick this season. You have Nick Benito that you just drafted somewhat highly. And again, if if you're not willing to pay two edge rushers top dollar, which you know it's difficult to do, invest that much money at one position on your roster, you might be able to get a haul back for a guy like that for half a season. The team I would recommend doing so, Tampa Bay Bucks, because as much as I said the the Rams window is kind of this, this is also the Bucks window. You know, you didn't even think this was this year was open, actually. Heading into like you know back in January or February after Tom Brady retired, you thought the window was closed, and so. That window ain't going to be open long. I, if I'm the Bucks, I'm throwing every pick in the future I can to improve this roster this season. And the one spot where they could use a little more juice is probably just that defensive line rotation. I don't think it's the, they're not seeing the same results this year from that D-line than they had, especially the year they won the Super Bowl. So Bradley Chubb's the one guy, if I'm a team – uh, if I am Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I am calling, asking what it takes because it's still still a very good roster, but you got to get something to push you over the edge at this point. So there you have it. Those are the hypothetical trades I want to see before the deadline. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with bigger payouts than ever. Why bet on football anywhere else? Make things even sweeter. You can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code PFF to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code PFF only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for a shot at winning $250,000 plus in cash. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot to win big money every day. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player props, over-unders, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code BALL at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the App Store to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it is not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Talking Ball is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF.
Let's get now to some takes of the week. Remember, go to the SpeakPipe link in the description below and call in with a voicemail. Call in with a take. Anything you want. doesn't have to be necessarily even football-related. We haven't run any non-football-related ones, but if you have something that needs to be said, come in and say it. This is your platform. I want to hear from you guys. So we only have one this week. Make the cut. But let's uh, before uh, hold on before we get to takes of the week. I have a fun read. Oh, do I you snuck in here? Yeah. Did you see this tweet? Marcus Freeman is Notre Dame's head coach before converting to Catholicism. Oh, and three. Marcus Freeman is Notre Dame's head coach after converting to Catholicism. Three and zero. Oh. I did care, not see that. Care to discuss? Care to come on the pod and discuss? Oof. That's. I mean, we we're gonna have to have the Pope on the pod to discuss, right? You know, God Himself is gonna have to come down and let us know. That's uh. I always when he did convert to Catholicism, I was like, dude, that was that was kind of that was kind of suspect. <laughs> I did not. I, I feel like you have to though, yeah. and it also as somebody who was raised Catholic, mm-hmm. like it takes a long time. Like yeah. I, uh, like one of my good friends when he married his wife, his now wife had okay. to convert to Catholicism for that, and it took like it took like a year. They don't just you don't just show up and be like, I want to get baptized. You have to like go. Th- you have to take classes and do all that stuff. Yeah, I went to Notre Dame. And did not understand how Catholic it actually was until I went there. And you have to take two theology courses. And I it was not, I was, grew up just like agnostic. We didn't uh, do, we didn't go to church, didn't do anything like that. Um, and the first, thir- first theology class, they basically ask, you know, how many of you are Catholic? I am the only person who doesn't raise my hand in my theology class. And they, and they just that. like tell you to open up a Bible to like XYZ page. And I'm like, what or they you know chapter verse and i'm just flipping through looking for like a table of contents i don't know how to operate a bible there, there's not philippians book of job yeah, yeah. They, they don't just have numbers so i'm like looking at the guy next to me trying to figure out how far into his bible he is to start reading along with the class uh needless to say didn't get the best grade in that class but it was the timing of that freeman thing because they're zero and two when he did it and on the season. I was like, did he just do it? But well, I that's guess what it I'm takes saying. I think, yeah, I think he was probably yeah. trying to do it, like maybe before the season starts, or like maybe he did it like when he accepted. Mm-hmm. But whoever those priests are in that picture were probably like, hey man, like I'm not just gonna let you waltz in here. Like yeah. you gotta, you gotta, gotta you courses. gotta earn it. You gotta want yeah. it. Yeah. So that's that's my that's all I got. I will be I will be in South Bend this weekend. If anyone, if any. Talking ball listeners are, are there. I will be watching Tanner McKee hopefully tank his draft stock this weekend against the Irish. So uh, let's get to takes the week now. We yep, got? resident Browns fan. This is from him. Gotcha. What up, boys? Air Natty here with a spicy take. For the long-term success and health of the Broncos franchise, they'll be happy they've done terrible this year, and they actually should be hoping for more, fit more of that to come the remainder of the season. As the resident Browns fan of the show, I know all too well how divided a locker room can be and, and how you cannot win at the highest level with an uncharismatic quarterback not playing in an elite level. The Broncos fans should be hoping for more poor performances throughout the rest of the year. Not so Nathaniel Hackett can be, will be fired, because that's already going to happen. But because the worse the Broncos do, the more Russell Wilson will have to listen to the new coach they hire next year. Don't know who that'll be. People say Sean Payton. I don't think he's going to take that job. So throw out names like, Tomlin, Belichick, maybe if you want to be vanilla, Dan Quinn, but someone with a big personality to act like Pete did to really not let Russell cook. Thanks, boys. Go Browns. Whew. He had me in the first half. Not even going to lie. That, 
I think the take made sense for a while. Then then you said Tomlin and Belichick, and I I hope he was saying guys like that with personalities like that, and not actually suggesting that Mike Tomlin or Bill Belichick is going to be the next coach of the Denver Broncos. Do you do you the the you other one on that? that the other one that got me too was Sean Payton, and this might be a spicy take of my own, but I don't think he's coming back. You don't think so? I think I he's happier in retirement. I don't know. I, I mean, he, he gets ball. thrown out there. It's kind of like you remember when uh, like Brad Stevens was in mm-hmm. Butler. And like any head coaching job that came open, it was him. everybody was like NBA or college. They were like, "Oh, that's Brad Stevens. Yeah, Brad Stevens is going. I, Brad Stevens is going here. Brad Stevens is going there." Like I feel like Sean Payton is that now. He's the next Brad, but Stevens. like I feel like he might just stay retired. I don't know. I, I have nothing to base that off of. I just don't think it's like everyone assumes that he's just this like slam dunk to come back and take the next like good open coaching job. And I just I don't think I don't think he's gonna do it. So he's. I think everyone thinks that because he's fifty eight. You know, he's not. That's retirement age for most people. Yeah, but he's not, you know, 60, 65 plus. He's not really, you know, limping into the barn sort of age where he's probably got a good seven years, eight years left. Oh, he'd be a great coach. Like, I would love yeah. for him to come coach the Bengals instead of Zach Taylor. <laughs> but, like, I just, that's not going to happen, you yeah. know? I just think he loves ball too much. I mean, he was, there was that story about when he did have, when he did have the year off for year off, when he got suspended for a year. Where he coached his, you know, That's, kids team. Yeah, Kevin James did that. That's not. Yeah, and there was an actual movie made about it. Oh, we need to put that one in the movie club. What that, was that should called? be the next one. What uh, was it? I had one uh, prepared. Keep, keep going. I'll look it up. But I've never actually seen that movie. I had no interest in it. But that might have to be the next movie club one. If it's if we can make sure it's on streaming. I had a different one prepared, but we might pivot because I do want to see that now. Now that you say that, Sean Payton's gonna be the next coach. We, we need to. We're going to need to do some dude. Says it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I'm still looking for the name. Oh, it's a home team. Home team. Jesus. How do I, how is that like not even register on my, that name doesn't even sound familiar. Did that movie even, did it go straight to like Netflix? Was this straight to, it was a, it was, it looks from the looks of this article, it looks like it was a, just a Netflix production. That makes sense. That's why. All right. I think that's actually going to be our next one. we'll, We'll, uh, I vote for that. We'll get to that when we get there. I vote for that one. Ne- next segment here. Oh, take take the week. Uh, so, lost me with Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick. Uh, just going to keep it real. I don't think you're getting any of those in Denver. And the problem is, if you keep looking bad, at some point, some of it's going back to Russ, right? It's not just coaching. Coaching's not making your offense, your quarterback, look this bad, in my opinion. Especially with Daniel Hackett being having at least some track record. You know, Blake Bortles didn't look this bad under Nathaniel Hackett. Aaron Rodgers, obviously Aaron Rodgers, that's a little different. But at some point, it might just be Russ because this was the end of last year for Russ, right? He wasn't good when he came back from the thumb. Now he has a lat, and maybe that's part of it. But that's the worrisome thing is you're tied to Russ for, I mean, the first year you can get out of this deal without basically murdering your cap is 2026. You are taking on, if you cut them this season, $124 million in dead cap. 2023 is $107 million. 2024 is $85 million in dead cap. 2025 is $49 million in dead cap. So you have him for four more years. That is not debatable. So if it's, so I, yeah, you want, if you're really going to get a new head coach, if you really want, if you really don't think Hackett's it, yeah, you'd like to, to crash and burn. That's better for just, you know, 
building things back up, but you also don't have a first round pick, right? Because that's the Russell Wilson. So to me, there's no real advantage to being awful this year. You want Hackett to work out. You want Will Russ to work out because these are the years his cap hits are reasonable. $17 million this year, $22 million against cap next year, $35 million 2024. This is when it's reasonable. After that, it's over. You're, you're done after that in terms of building a team around how much he's going to cost in your cap that can actually compete. So I'm going to give that take probably probably somewhere in the 60s. That's like a 65.3 take. I don't give a lot of low grades, but that one I, I just – I can't see the I don't I can't see the silver lining for the Broncos team. It, it's not quite like other. It's not quite like the Panthers really taking it and maybe getting a Bryce Young. There's no, there's no that that light at the end of the tunnel. Now let's get to first round locks, where we've already locked in a good five guys: Jalen Carter, George defense tackle, Will Anderson, Bama edge, Peter Skaronsky, Northwestern tackle, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, the one-two QB debate at the moment. And we're going to go to the defensive line again to lock in another. And this guy hasn't played a ton this year. Uh, obviously, he's dealing with some family off-field issues. But Brian Brzee, defense tackle from Clemson, former number one overall recruit in the 2020 class. Top 20 freaks list player preseason. Runs in the high four sevens, apparently, at 310 pounds. Uh, he's been awesome when on the football field this year. I, I was on uh, with Fran Duffy on his podcast uh, earlier today, actually, talking about Brian Brzee, saying, you know, this is the guy I want to see the most second half of the season of any prospect. So he was so good, went on the field here early on, but only three games. If he gets some big stages, you know, whether it's ACC title game, whether it is a playoff game, and he shows out, I think he can challenge for, I don't think he challenged Willie Anderson for, you know, first non-quarterback off the board, but I think he could maybe jump Jalen Carter with how just physically gifted a dude like Brzee is. So locking him in the first round, I think his floor is somewhere in like the teens at this point to where he could make his way in the top five with a big second half. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for in this episode, movie club, all the right moves. Tom Cruise, one of his first movies ever came out 22 years old. I looked it up. 22, 22 years old. Came out 1983. Correct. Yes, it did. It was. Because that was one of my biggest, not to cut you off, but that was one of my biggest takes. It looked like, I, I guessed, 70s. Dude, it I had to look it up because I was like, there's no way that Tom Cruise is that old, right? Like, he's yeah. not a young man, but I, like it looked like 70s. And I was like, there's no way that that would have been, like, the age in the movie when I thought it was wouldn't match up. It, it, to me, it looked so, it, it reminded me how trash movies used to be. You know, there was literally not even when in the football scenes, they didn't have like sound of the game going on. Yeah, because I think it was just probably so like low budget yes. that that's why it looks like shit. That's why it sounds like shit, you know, and I, like I, I kind of enjoyed the movie. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Like I, I like Tom Cruise. I'm a Tom Cruise stands. Mm -hmm. But like I looked it up for reference. Top Gun came out in 86. And the visuals in that, so that's what I'm saying. Like, that. that was three years later. So yeah. I think it was just probably low budget. Low budget. Tom Cruise won his first roles. Yeah. Whatever. The, the rain, the rain. So they had like football accent scenes in the rain. And it sounds, instead of like it's sounding like rain, it sounded like someone's just pouring water over a microphone. It was a constant stream of water instead of like dripping 
you know, how rain sounds. The, whoever was doing the special effects for this uh, probably didn't make much, probably did not make a lot of money for it. But they really set a hard tone early on. So it's basically a coming of age, whatever, football, East Pennsylvania or Western Pennsylvania type of movie. But 15 minutes in, I don't think they had any, made anything other than sexual innuendo jokes. He said one of his best friends says he's going to donate his dick to his girlfriend. The, he asks, Tom Cruise asks his girlfriend if she knows what a hand-on is. And then he says, that's what you did Saturday night. Uh, the guy in class, his friend in class, raises his desk off the ground with his boner. It was, and that's all within the first, first 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it didn't get better. <laughs> it, it really? It did. There, there was a lot of things that didn't age well in the movie. <laughs> that, was, that was what... It really harkened back to a different time. You, you just, that movie doesn't get made. Those jokes don't get made anymore. I feel like it's like, uh, have you seen Rush Hour on TV lately? No, but so I like, love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. But like, if you watch it on oh, TV, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll like put like a little tag, like a little disclaimer on the front, like right when it starts. And, and it's basically like, hey, yeah, like this movie was made in the 90s and like, this shit didn't age well, so like just heads up before we, you know, before yeah. you watch. I feel like you need to slap that on this movie. Every Jackie Chan movie, in retrospect, was kind of was kind of problematic. There, there was all a lot of jokes at his expense that were not not chill by today's standards. Um, they, they at one point had a locker room dance party where Tom Cruise's exact words were not bad for a white boy a eh, to his teammate as he's like grinding each other. That was one of the weirdest scenes of any movie I've ever seen. The coach catches them all dancing together, and then he started dancing with them, which, dude, I don't know. I've, never, I've not been in the locker rooms quite like that. Uh, Tom Cruise commits sexual assault in the back of his car. Uh, is, literally has his girlfriend screaming no to get off him and won't stop. That was pretty, that was pretty problematic. Uh, gets very upset that he won't, she won't let him have sex with her, which, again, was... Tough to watch. Probably not. Probably why it's not remembered as a Tom Cruise classic. He probably doesn't want a lot of people going back and viewing this one in today's light. Uh, I, I did find it funny though that, a, so the whole premise of the movie is kind of there. He's trying to get a scholarship to college. He's trying to get out of there. He has bigger goals than just small town Pennsylvania. It's very cliche. Trope. Yeah. yeah. The, the pretty much. I, I hate to sound like Austin, but but it was exceptionally tropey. Like exceptional. twenty minutes in. I was like, I know where this movie's going. Yeah. Like, he's going to beef with his coach, and they're going to pull off a big win somewhere in there, mm -hmm. and they're going to get mad at each other and then have, like, a come-to-Jesus come moment at the end, and he's going to get a scholarship. Yeah. Like, it, you could just, you could see it. Mm -hmm. And the other, like, side plot was the coach is also trying to gun for a bigger job. He wants this bigger job, too. And I found it hilarious that a talent scout or something from Cal Poly – which is, I don't, I don't know if they have a football team. It's not, it's not, a, it's not like a D1 or FBS school. Um, Cal Poly is looking between the coach in this movie, high school coach, and a coach from Aliquippa, also in Pennsylvania. Cal Poly is looking, choosing between two high school coaches in Pennsylvania for their defensive backs coach, which I, I just am pretty sure that's not how hiring processes work at major colleges. They're not going to high school coaches in Pennsylvania trying to find the next great defensive backs coach, especially when I'm pretty sure Craig T. Nelson, who was the head coach, the actor that played the head coach, uh, probably never played defensive back in his life. He's fucking enormous, that dude. 
So that was weird. The, he drops uh, <laughs> dropped a hard R in his pregame speech, which was he also weird. Three uh, racial racially yeah. disparaging terms in a row. In a row, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Yeah, like it, it was, was a yeah. audible gasp. Yep, watching that, um, you saw high schoolers having sex, which is always an interesting thing in movies when they have sixteen-year-olds uh, actually naked and they actually show it. So that was weird. Uh, he raw dogs his girlfriend after his buddy just had his rif- his scholarship just had to leave his scholarship offer to USC on the table because he got his girlfriend pregnant, which probably not the best decision. And then the guy gets arrested in class. Why did he get arrested? I actually missed that part. It was absolutely hilarious to watch. But they had two cops come in and just like throw yeah, him against no, his I, own desk. I, I remember that. I, I don't. I don't know why he got uh, yeah. arrested though. Still, I don't know what he did. It's, they said like trespass. You were breaking and entering, or it, 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 pro- it probably was the like when they vandalized the yeah. coach's was house. He... It probably was that. Okay, I just assumed it was that. Yeah, but I don't remember him being there. I that that part that plot point I missed. But his buddy gets arrested, and then at the end, his coach gets the Cal Poly job and gives him a scholarship offer, even after he kicked him off the team. So it was, it was a it was not a good movie. It, it was good for it being bad kind of movie though i will say i I enjoyed i'm glad i watched it that's what i'm saying like it's a like i like tom cruise mm -hmm. and 80s movies are kind of funny like the soundtracks and everything which the the soundtrack was actually kind of fire oh yeah i wrote that here actually the intro song which was actually called all the right moves was a banger i'm probably gonna listen to that in the car on the way home (laughs) (laughs) we're keeping it It I know, but like all '80s movies were like that. Mm-hmm. Like that, I That's feel like true. that is kind of a lost Golden art of... in cinema. Is like they they were just bangers mm-hmm. in movies. Yeah, so I would. It was. I feel like it was interesting for the seeing Tom Cruise in a role that's just like not Tom Cruise. It, it doesn't the mesh with neck roll any thing. of the rest of his. Twenty-two-year-old Tom Cruise is not a neck roll guy. Yeah. He's wearing, he's sporting the neck, like the taped up (laughs) neck roll, the whole movie. Now I will say if he were to recreate that today, I would let Tom Cruise wear a neck roll with as much like him doing his own stunts, his body of work, all the crazy shit that he's done. Modern day Tom Cruise could pull off a neck roll, not Mm -hmm. 22 year old Tom Cruise. I agree. Uh, That was, it was an experience. I'll say that. So let's, let's do home team. I was going to do North Dallas 40 for uh, post week seven. I've seen that one. So let's let's do home team though, because yeah, that one's I agree topical, recent. No one's else has probably watched it either. So we get to all have the shared experience there. So last last segment here, ending it on this. Would you rather do it every week? Player unit in a random. Would you rather? You want to kick it off with yours here, Quinn? Yeah, um, we kind of touched on it earlier in the show because it's topical. But Panthers maybe fire sale. Uh, DJ Moore and you didn't mention Brian Burns, but I've heard I've seen like on Twitter I feel like people are kind of pushing like hey, maybe you should pay Brian Burns or you should trade Brian Burns Like especially if you're not gonna pay him see that's the thing. It's like they gotta I, Yeah, they I, gotta I'm not, I'm not saying I would yeah. do it, but that's there's like him. there's You know, mm-hmm. there's rumors around that. So assuming he is on the block. Who would you rather trade for DJ Moore or Brian Burns? Oof, that one's it's tough, man. Assuming you're going to pay Brian Burns, right? Like DJ yeah. Moore got paid, yeah, yeah. and you're you're going to have to trade Brian Burns if you trade, for, or mm-hmm. you're going to have to pay Brian Burns if you trade for him. I I think Burns. I, I am a massive fan of his game. I think he's the type of edge rusher that 
you know, when he's got an advantage, when he's facing maybe an unathletic tackle, he really goes to town. Like he can take over a game. May not be the most consistent, but I think that's a r- more rare skill set in today's NFL than what DJ Moore brings to the table. DJ Moore, great wide receiver. You know, that, not debating that whatsoever, but Brian Burns, a difference maker, and also contract at the moment a little more favorable, and also only 24 years old. I mean, DJ Moore's young too, but I, I think I lean Burns, but it is close. Uh, both those guys, that, those should be your building blocks. You, you know, Shaq Thompson's of the world shouldn't be your building blocks. Christian McCaffrey should not be your building blocks. Those are not the guys you should be giving out the big money deals to. It should be Burns. It should be DJ Moore. So I hope they don't trade either, honestly, for their sake. All right, my one. And this one, debate between number one overall picks that people don't, that it doesn't get brought up much, but Trevor Lawrence or Kyler Murray. Obviously not connected any, any way other than they're both number one overall picks, but who would you rather have right now, assuming contract out the window? Just who would you rather have quarterbacking your football team? Just like right now. Okay, right now. Right now. Um, Not for the future. This season. This one's tough. I guess I guess this season, Kyler. Okay. Moving forward, I I, I still think you got to bank on T Law. T Law. It also depends on the situation too. I mean, like neither necessarily have like a very favorable situation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I think the I think the answer is a little bit different if it's like. I'm starting a franchise from the ground up and I get to pick a quarterback and I get to surround him with the talent that Mm -hmm. I want to surround him with, not Cliff Kingsbury calling plays or, you know, the ghosts of AJ green and D hop and shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like who's just better right now? Probably Kyler. Okay. You think think Trevor's better right now? I think he might be. Okay. I I think I would, I'll hear you out. One, I, I do think his situation on paper, like they're comparable. I, I don't think I would take one for certain over the other. Like even when once DeAndre Hopkins comes back, I would then for sure take the Cardinals. They're they're both uh, like that meme that's been kind of played out now, but like the battle of mid. Yes. They're both right in there. They're place. both fighting the battle of mid. Yeah. Where if you had, you know, you had a legit bad starter behind this. If you had... I was going to say Daniel Jones, but he's at least done a little bit more this season than in years past. If you had Jared Goff in either of those situations, it'd be rough, like ugly rough, like Jared Goff last year rough. So I I just think Trevor Lawrence can put together consistent passing performances. Like Kyler Murray is just so – boomer bust to me and not to say Lawrence hasn't had ugly games here but I do think that you'll see more consistency from him going forward but they really are tight at the moment I don't have a real strong take either way on unfortunately on that debate all right what's your unit one all right this one is kind of forward looking or casting your prediction into the future um Eagles tackles or Browns tackles for the next four years and I don't mean just your starters. I mean, like tackles as a whole. So mm-hmm. Browns, Wills, Conklin, James Hudson, Eagles, Lane Johnson, um, Jordan Mailata, Andre Dillard. I guess you could throw Jack Driscoll in there too. I got to lean Eagles. 
even though, you know, Lane's 32. I was going to say, it's, you're factoring in age He's a lot here. He's 32, but tackles age somewhat gracefully, I think. Or at least the ones in recent years have. That 36 is not out of the question. That's not ridiculous at all to be a high-end pass protector still at that age. I mean, highest pass blocking grade in the NFL this season, Lane Johnson, doing it at a high level still, only three pressures. I, I don't think we see a cliff in his future, maybe a steady sort of decline, but I think at 36, I trust him and pass pro as much, if not more, than Jack Conklin. And then Jordan Mailata is obviously like a guy that may even get better. If he can stay healthy on the football field over the next four years, only 25 years old, I'd already take him over Jedrick Wills, both healthy, so... And you think Andre Dillard? Will Dillard's be, probably gone. Yeah, he's be, he'll probably. But he's walk. like he can't stay healthy. And like James Hudson, mm-hmm. it looks good. Looks Hudson promising. did look good. You know I, what I, I mean? Like that. that. That could be like a. And and their three guys are all young. That's why I was saying like for the next because Eagles obviously right now, but in the future, yeah, that they could have something. And I guess Conklin probably will be out of there too. Although he, I looked him up. He's twenty eight, so he'd be thirty two. Thirty two is fine. That's yeah. what Lane is right now. That's not. So you yeah, had just like three issue. solid guys for mm-hmm. the foreseeable future. Both. But I, yeah, I, I like Eagles too. Yeah. I just thought it was an interesting debate. All right, here's one that I'm going to love to hear your answer on. Bengals offense or the Bengals defense right now? Which would you rather have? Well, again, uh, it's situation-based, right, right? right? now. Is Zach Taylor calling plays? Yes. You have Zach Taylor. Uh, then the defense. And Lou Anarumo. Yeah, then it's the defense, I, unfortunately. I think it is too. Unfortunately. It's, it's as – as ridiculous as that is to say. Yeah. I mean, it's good defense. That's, I guess it's not ridiculous. This is a top 10 defense in the NFL, my opinion. So that's not absurd. But this is not a top 10 offense in the NFL. No. And, and they don't have to be with that defense. True. Like, that's why, I mean, we talked about the other day how, like, Joe Burrow's biggest issue this year probably, I mean, outside of the O-line and outside of the play calling has been, you know, he's not taking what the defense has given. Like, you saw it against the Ravens. You know, he, he was short pass, short pass, short pass. All my force want to chase. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, nobody wants to admit it, but, like, that interception was probably as costly as the goal line debacle. Yeah. You know? And, like, y- they need to be comfortable winning games 20-19. to 19. Yes. Cause that's... 21-17. You know what I mean? Because you got the defense to do it. You don't have to score 30 a game. And I feel like that's the way of the world for a lot of teams now. Not to say, like, offense has been figured out, but – I was going to ask sir. that last week, like, because we were talking about, like, a lot of offenses that have struggled, right? Like, Packers offense is struggling. Rams mm-hmm. offense is struggling. Raiders, I mean, I don't know if you'd necessarily consider them a good team, but, like, they got horses on offense. Like, there's a lot of offenses that are, you know, otherwise you would consider pretty good teams that have just not clicked. Yeah. And is that because, like, defense is ahead of offense at this point? Or, like, maybe even the pendulum is switching, like, kind of shifting back from, like, you know, offense scoring 30 points a game to, like, now more, you know, defense-heavy type stuff. Because it, it, it will eventually, right? Like, it's – the NFL has always been cyclical. Yeah. You know? I, and it I do think it's the rise of these, you know, the proliferation of the Fangio tree of DCs is helping. And I tweeted out just the other day, cover dropbacks, EPA per dropback against cover three this season, 0.076. That's kind of in line with what we've seen in the past handful of years – that I don't want to say cover three has been figured out, but cover like if you your base defense is cover three, you're a lot of those teams are getting shredded nowadays. Whereas quarters, the average EPA per dropback against quarters so far this season is negative point zero seven three. Yeah, that the rise of that 
is really putting a cap on a lot of these explosive offenses that were lighting up scoreboards in years past. And so you're just going to see more and more of that. Um, and, and I, and honestly, it's going to lead to as weird as it is to say the running back position becoming more valuable. Again. That's what I'm saying. Like back in, you know, in our childhood, it was all about like, you know, Sean Alexander's of the world, right? Mm -hmm. You got to have a guy like that. You got to just pound the rock and eventually it will probably get back to that, right? Like, you know, skinny jeans are hot for a while and then it's fucking yeah. cargo shorts. You know what I mean? Like it just shit, like fashion cyclical and like mm -hmm. the NFL is, is cyclical like well, that. It's why you it's have gonna guys. It's going to happen at some point. You know, you have Nick Chubb on pace for nearly 2,000 yards this season. Saquon Barkley on pace for over 1,700 yards this season. Josh Jacobs on pace for almost 1,700 yards. Like you have guys who are going to put up a lot of numbers, the running back position, because it's becoming advantageous with a lot of the looks these teams are seeing to run the football. Are yeah. us nerds going to be out of the job, out of a job, if uh, we I have to go back to hard, hard nose, old school football? Dude, it's going to be tough. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm going to have to actually watch running backs in the draft. <laughs> so much time that I don't have to waste in years past. I'm kidding. I watch every player, but all right, last one, random one. Oh, my take was Bengals defense. Well, random. What, uh, what is your? Random, yeah, would you rather? going back to the Tom Cruise thing, Mission Impossible movies or the Bourne movies? Ooh, I didn't love the Bourne movies. Really? I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't a See, Jason Bourne guy. They, I, I the, like the first. The first couple were like real good. Mm -hmm. First, like three were real good, and then it. Yeah, it kind of tapered off, and like Matt Damon left, and then he came back, and I feel like Mission Impossible. Like the first one was good. Second one was eh. And it kind of like started off slow, but like these last few Mission They've Impossible hitting, movies man. have been awesome. Yeah, I thought the first awesome. one was great, and then yeah, I, I like your take. The one with the, the 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 doves, and they were they're taking their faces off and putting on voice boxes. Which one was that? Three. Uh, you talking about the one two? with Philip Seymour Hoffman? Yes. Uh, uh, that one was three tough. or four. That, that one was a, a slog to get through, and I thought it was going to be over after that. Um, but they, they've been great in recent years. I, I'll be honest, after. I think after the second Bourne movie, I don't even think I saw the rest. I was kind of out on the Bourne. The franchise. most recent one with Matt Damon's not very good. Ooh. And then the one with Jeremy Renner was just okay. Like it fit, Uncle Jeremy? it fit the, the storyline. Mm -hmm. It just was, I mean, not so I'm leaning mission impossible for me personally, but I, I, I just think it's, it's a decent debate because mm -hmm. those are kind of like the two, like spy action movie franchises. Yeah. They have a that, similar yeah, yeah, yeah. conceit. Yep. Mine is also in a similar vein, the movie club. I last two movie clubs, Tom Cruise or Will Smith movies. It's Tom Cruise. They're filmographies. It's who do you Tom who are you leaning towards? It's Tom Cruise. Man. Dude, I love Tom Cruise. I know he's like fun to hate on because of the Oprah meltdown and he's short and mm -hmm. he's a goofball. But dude, he's got bangers. He's I, got bangers. Okay, I, I do think high end Tom Cruise wins that fairly easily. There, there was a time though where like Will Smith didn't miss. You know, like, he didn't have bad movies, in my opinion. If you go back to the old days, like the '90s, where it Bad Boys, yeah. Independence Day, Men in Black, Ali, Men in Black Two, Bad Boys Two, I Robot, Hitch. But he had a, a stretch too, from like seven pounds. You remember that movie? Mm -hmm. Like seven pounds to like. 
the movie that he Started did with his rough. son. Yeah, After they, Earth. After Earth. Yeah, he had a stretch of movies in there that was like he lost his touch, dude. He, really he, bad. Quite literally, really bad. Lost lost touch with reality at some point there too. So well, it's they because, both have. It's they because uh, Scientology kicked out Tom Cruise and like Will Smith is like the new. <laughs> they <laughs> they replaced him. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I, I will say Tom Cruise, tough to beat. Going back to, I mean, even all the right moves, dude. I mean, all the right moves is a banger. Top Gun, Color of Money, The Firm. Oh, love The Firm. A few Good Men. What's Jeremy Maguire. What's the one? It's escaping me. Uh, where he's the bartender. Uh, cocktail that was. Um, it's cocktail. Cocktail. Right? Yeah, yeah, cocktail's good. I don't think that's I've seen an old. That. That's a that's like an old Tom Cruise yeah. one. Yeah, Rain that's Man was great. Yeah, I need to go was, back. I kind of want to go back here. and watch some old Tom Cruises. Rain Man was filmed here because I don't think I've seen Born on Fourth of July. Oh, dude, that one's don't watch that. Not great. That's the saddest movie I've Sad ever movie. seen. Okay, yeah, I think it's based on a true story, and it is like it is good. I mm-hmm. think either he won awards or the movie won awards. But it's it's extremely depressing. Okay, maybe it I'll is not a very uplifting. Maybe movie. I'll stick to home team. I'll, st- I'll stick to Kevin James. Plan. Maybe is Kevin Kevin James? Should we throw him in the mix? Would you put him over Tom Cruise or Will Smith? <laughs> Let me look up Kevin James movies right now. Dude, there's like uh, Chuck and Larry. That was a hit. I mean, King Chuck of Queens. That's good. not a movie, but King oh, King Paul Blart. Underrated. The Paul Blarts. I forgot about those. Paul Blart was so bad. Grown ups. Unwatchably bad. Um. Hitch, I forgot he was in Hitch. He was in Hitch. That's a pretty good one. Oh, dude. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin James, his uh, his cinematography is not as good as I thought it would be. <laughs> it's for, being, so bad. for being like as recognizable as Kevin James is. Dude, he's uh, King of Queens, dude. That, that cast him in. Because that show's good. King of Queens was good. Yeah. Uh, what's his face? Uh, Stiller made Fred, Frank Stiller. What's his first name? Ben Stiller's dad. He made Jerry. that movie. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. All right. Well, there you have it. Home team, two weeks from now, we'll be discussing. Hopefully, you guys tune in. Uh, next Monday, we'll be doing back to one take, going through every game. Uh, enjoy Thursday night football, the great matchup, Commanders, Bears. Uh, until next time, Mike Renner, Mike Quinn, talk them all.